Holy shit, it's episode 76 of the Dipshit Files. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And you have two tales of spookiness for us today. I do. I guess we're starting the spooky season early here in September. Yeah, well, it's it, this is the last, it's the last little bit. week in September, so yeah, yeah I'm going to jump Might into well. it. Yeah. It's not jumping that early. Not it's not really. like we're putting up our Christmas stuff in now. <laughs> but what is our subject matter for today? Well, we have two spooky stories. Okay. The whole point of these stories is I want to tell spooky stories for Witchtober. Mm-hmm. However, I want them to have somewhat of a historical accuracy Ooh. and researchable. So the first one is the Lemp family legacy and the haunting that follows. Okay. And the other one is Okiko, the Japanese haunted doll. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's dig into it, shall we? Okay. I don't know where these files are, but we'll find them. They're somewhere in the weird-ass file cabinet. <laughs> The Lemp family, once a rich and powerful juggernaut of a family, would slowly be turned into ghosts Whoops. as their once blessed lives seemingly become infected by some sort of curse. Do their spirits still wander the halls of the historic mansion? <laughs> and can we decipher the paranormal force that seemingly destroyed their lives before it affects anyone else? <laughs> this is the untold story of the haunted Lemp Mansion located in St. Louis, Missouri. Go Redbirds. And this tale intertwines the spirits of the past with the mysteries of the present. <laughs> to tell this story properly, I must first introduce you to just who the Lemp family was, what they were about, and just what happened to them. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. The Lemp family began with Johann Adam Lemp, who arrived in St. Louis, Missouri, from Grunigen, Germany, in 1838. Shortly after his arrival, he would build a small grocery store at what is now Del Mar and Sixth Streets, where he sold common household items, mm-hmm. groceries, and homemade beer. Maybe a little bit of snake oil. Just a little bit. The light golden lager was a welcome change from the darker beers that were sold at the time. The recipe handed down by his father became so popular that just two years later, he gave up the grocery store venture and decided to build a small brewery instead in 1840. The brewery was close to where the St. Louis Gateway Arch stands today. Hmm. Lemp first sold his beer in a pub attached to the brewery, introducing St. Louis to its first lager. Before long, Lemp found that the brewery was too small to handle both production and storage, and found a limestone cave south of the city limits. The cave, which is located at the present-day corner of Cherokee and Demoniel Place, could be kept cool by chopping ice from the nearby Mississippi River and depositing it inside, providing the perfect conditions for the logger in process to run its course. Thus, the Lamps Western Brewing Company continued to prosper and by the 1850s had become one of the largest in the city. A millionaire by the time of his death, Adam Lemp died on August 25, 1862, and his son William would take over 
and begin a major expansion of the brewery. He purchased a five-block area around the storage house on Cherokee above the Logging Caves, and in 1864, a new plant was completed there on Cherokee Street. Continually expanding to meet the product demand, the Lemp family would soon come to symbolize both wealth and power, as the Lemp Brewery controlled the St. Louis beer market, a position it would maintain until Prohibition. In 1868, Jacob Feckhart, William Lemp's father-in-law, built a mammoth of a house a short distance from the Lemp Brewery, and in 1876, William Lemp decided to purchase it for his family, utilizing it both as a residence and an auxiliary office. Slash rave dungeon. While the home was already impressive, Lemp immediately began renovating and expanding the 33-room house Jeez. into a Victorian showplace. Nice. Does a, it have 33 thorax evacuation chambers? <laughs> Sorry, that was from yesterday's show. <laughs> 33, I just, it's about me. This house was a true showcase of luxury. As part of this renovation, a tunnel was built from the basement of the mansion and through the caves to the brewery and wooden mechanical refrigeration became available. And there was also a bat cave. <laughs> Parts of the caves were converted for other purposes. Bat cave. Including a natural auditorium and a theater. And a crime fighting pit. In due time, the system would also become host to a large concrete swimming pool. That's where you put the bad ones like the penguin. With the hot water piped in from the brewery boiling house. And later, a bowling alley. And then a private movie theater would also be integrated. This is a nice cave you got. Yeah, I'm rich as fuck. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do with it? What do you mean? It's a fucking cave. Well, you know you have to be Batman now. Why would I have to be Batman? Because you're a rich guy with a cave under his house. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, you at least got to deck it out for orgy. Oh, fuck yeah. That's why I brought you down here. I'm thinking orgy pit over there. Oh, oh yeah. Then what would eventually become the Lamp Western Brewery, this ever-growing venture, would be the first beer company to establish coast-to-coast distribution. Illuminati confirmed. And would also go on to assist in the launching of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer PBR. and Anheuser-Busch. Oh, Kid Rock's favorite. However, underneath this fairy tale existence of a life tucked away in darkness was something most unfortunate. Was it bad gas? The Lemp family, although highly successful, would begin to experience the first of many tragedies to come. Mm, In 1901, William Sr.'s favorite son and the heir to the company would pass at the young age of 28 years old. Sorry about that. Probably still a kiss ass. (laughs) Frederick Lemp, who had never made the pinnacle of good health, had died from heart failure. His son's death would absolutely devastate William, and following his funeral, he began to withdraw from public life. He was just never the same. On January the 1st of 1904, William's closest friend, Frederick Pabst, also passed, leaving an ever-withdrawn William to struggle running his brewery. Though he still arrived at the office each day, he became very nervous and unsettled. Shortly after these two events, his physical and mental health would start to decline, and on February 13th, 1904, William would leave this world by his own hand. Hmm. In November of 1904, William Lemp Jr. took over as the new president of the William J. Lemp Brewing Company, inheriting the family business and vast fortune. Which included a Scrooge McDuck money bin. He and his wife Lillian began to spend the inheritance at a ridiculous pace. Mm. They filled the mansion with servants. They spent huge amounts on carriages, clothing, and art. Among many, many other things. Mainly stupid shit. Lillian was a beautiful woman who came from a wealthy family herself. 
She and William Lemp Jr. had married in 1899, and William J. Lemp III was born on September 26, 1900. Before long, Lillian became known as the Lavender Lady because of her fondness for the color. In addition to her lavender attire and accessories, she went so far as to have her carriage, her horses, harnesses, and, and other things dyed lavender as well. Max. In the beginning, Will enjoyed showing off his trophy wife, but Will, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, was used to doing and acting just as he pleased. When he began to tire of Lillian, he demanded that she spend her time shopping. Hmm. allotting her a thousand dollars a day crocky facts a lot of money he gave her an ultimatum that it an ultimatum that if she didn't spend that money she wouldn't get any more in the meantime will was busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing all manner of decadent activities during the night Hmm. holding lavish parties in the cave below the mansion he would bring in numerous prostitutes for entertainment for him and his friends enjoying the swimming pool the bowling alley and the free-flowing beer. His friends who attended these lavish events were known to enjoy a high time deep below the surface of the soil. However, (laughs) however, all the debauchery came with consequences. Will's shenanigans caught up with him when he actually fathered a son with another woman other than his wife. Uh Uh-oh. Strangely, however, today there's no official documentation that this boy ever existed. But rumors that this boy was hidden in the mansion attic for his entire life became prevalent over the decades. According to St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons, when he interviewed a former nanny and chauffeur who worked at the mansion long ago, both of them verified that the boy did exist and was housed in the attic quarters that also housed the servants' rooms. Mm. Spawned from Will's philandering, with either one of the many prostitutes or a mansion servant, the boy was born with Down syndrome and was considered a total embarrassment to the family. Thanks. Thus, he was hidden away from the world in order to cloak the limp's shame. Finally, William Jr., tired of his trophy wife and her nagging, as he described it, he filed for divorce in 1908. Why she didn't take this step with all his goings-on and ridiculous behavior uh, could be nothing more, I think, than the sign of the times. But the court proceedings surrounding the divorce became a major St. Louis scandal, and all four St. Louis newspapers devoted extensive front-page coverage to the messy affair. We love that kind of shit, don't we? Uh, I know, it's ridiculous. We're not going to grow out of it either. Yeah, so I guess I'll take questions. Yeah, hey, I'm Bill Shitnuts with the St. Louis Times. Do you guys fucking feel bad or what? Well, I mean, my life's a lie and it's going to shit. What more do you want from me? Uh, Tim Buckus with the St. Louis Tribune. Yeah, what do you got, Tim? Uh, You think of your marriage going to shambles? Do you feel sad? Uh, Yeah, I do feel sad. Do you want to cry about it? I mean, sometimes... Uh, Little baby want to cry. I mean, this isn't good for the kids. Yeah, Sam suck ass with the show me examiner. Yeah, what is this, Sam? In light of your life, you ever feel like just jerking the wheel into oncoming traffic? Uh, That's a very sensitive question. I mean, I have a driver. I'm a rich guy. Well, it would make for a better story if you did. Okay. Yeah, Bobby Dumbfuck with the St. Louis nickel neck. Yeah, Bobby. When you look into your children's eyes, do you see the disappointment? Uh, How does it make you feel? It's pretty bad. Do you think you could bring the kids out so we could try and make them cry? What? The trial opened in February of 1909 to crowds that flocked to the courthouse each day to witness the drama. I love my stories. Of tales of violence, drunkenness, boners, ego, and excess. Human shit. Virtually ignoring William's decadent activities, Lillian almost 
almost lost custody of William Lemp III because of a photograph that she was that was presented at the trial of her smoking a cigarette. Hmm. I thought that was funny. What? Yeah, she almost lost custody of her son because there was a picture of her smoking. Man. Again, maybe this is just another sign of the times, but... And I bring to the court's attention Exhibit C. Bring it to me. As you can see, your judgeshipness. Mm. This lady's a smoker. Now, calm down. I will have order. What's the big deal? I was just having a smoke. She admitted it. Young lady, are you telling me you, a woman, was smoking? Yes. I don't need to see any more. She's obviously a witch. Let's get the fire started. Wait, what? In the end, she did retain custody of their son but soon retired from the public eye. Mm -hmm. Now, the only time she was ever seen wearing anything other than lavender was on the final day of her divorce proceedings when she appeared dressed as Hulk Hogan entirely in black Mm. before the judge. NWO days. With the divorce, Will's troubles, well, they only just begun. Mm. In 1906, nine of the large breweries in the St. Louis area had combined to form the Independent Breweries Company. Here we go. Creating fierce competition that the Lamp Brewery had never faced before. There's probably some of the people at one of his parties. And uh-huh. he's, he's bragging about yeah, shit. Right. And they're like, oh, we're going to fucking. Uh, they're like, we fuck, want some of this shit. Fuck this guy. That's how people be. Look at that fucking guy. Yeah, he thinks he's so rich. His beer tastes like piss water. There's no way that cave staircase is up to code. <laughs> fuck that guy. Let's start our own. Brewery. And we can have our own underground rave orgies in our own cave. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fucking piss water. And at that very same year, Will's mother would pass of cancer. Hmm. The lavish spending on both personal luxuries and ridiculous parties had certainly taken their toll on the family fortune. You mean it actually costs money to do it? <laughs> but now the company's profits were continually shrinking. Uh oh. Despite this, however, the Lemp Mansion would be entirely remodeled in 1911 and partially converted into offices for the brewery. At the same time, William allowed the company's equipment to deteriorate, perhaps in order to fund these renovations. Yeah, you wanted to see me, whatever the fuck your name is? I'm Todd. I've been the floor manager for 25 years. Okay, Rod, what's your problem? It's Todd, and it's not my problem. Your machines are broken, and we've got leaks in all the vats. Well, that's because I took all the bolts out and sold them so I could have a new swimming pool in my basement. Oh. So good luck, Bob. When World War I broke out in 1914, the brewery was just a shell of its former self. Our beer tastes like piss. It sure does. William would also build a country home on the Merrimack River, to which he increased retreated amidst the ongoing troubles. Fuck, I'd just go there anytime. <laughs> Fuck out of town. And during this time, uh, he would also, in 1915, remarry. All right. The downturn in profits due to competition would pale in comparison to what was coming. And that arrived in 1919, and it was prohibition. Mm-hmm. We, the teetotalists of America, proposed that, oh, you fuckheads, stop drinking booze because it pisses us off. Don't, don't, don't you boo me. I'm better than you. I am better than you. We're going to mandate morality because it's always worked out really good in the past. And we know better than you because we're better than you. Isn't this going to create a black market that's going to put a bunch of money in the hands of some very unscrupulous people? Yeah, yeah. No, don't question us. We're better than you. The individual family members were already wealthy, so there was little incentive to keep the brewery afloat. All the employers are like, Oh, thanks, fuckhead. For a time, though, Will hoped that Congress would repeal Prohibition, but finally gave up when it simply wasn't happening. Hmm. Just months after it went into effect, the Lemp plant would close down with zero notice. The workers uh, learned of the closing when they came to work one day. Oh, that's lovely. Well, they found the door shut and the gates locked. Thanks for 25 years. And the family misfortune from here would only continue. (laughs) On March 20th, 1920, Elsa Lemp Wright, William's sister, the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis, would too 
breathe her last breath, just like her father had years before. Elsa was said to have been despondent over her rocky marriage, among many other personal and monetary issues arising. After the end of the Limp's brewing dynasty, William Jr. slipped into an all-too-familiar depression, acting almost exactly like his father. He, too, became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunning public life and often complaining of, of ill health. On December 29, 1922, William II would exit this earth in the very same way and in the very same building as his father had 18 years previously. Sad. William's brothers, Charles and Edwin, had long left the family business, seeing their prospects to run the, the empire were limited at best. If at all, it seemed like the Lemp dynasty had finally come to a bleak end in 1943. Yet another tragedy occurred when William Lemp III suddenly passed of a heart attack at the age of 42. William Lemp III was the only legitimate son of William. So he was Batman. Shortly after this took place, his brother Charles would eventually remodel the mansion back into a residence and live in the house, along with two servants and the illegitimate child of his brother. Hmm. Charles, too, became an odd figure as he grew older. He developed a morbid fear of germs, and his obsessive compulsive behavior included wearing gloves at all times to avoid bacteria, and he constantly washed his hands. It was during this time, shortly following the renovation, that William's illegitimate son, now in his 30s, would too have his name added to the list of deceased family members. Shortly after his nephew's passing, Charles would become the fourth member of the Lemp family to breathe his final breath on his own accord. First, he took his beloved Doberman into the basement of the mansion. Then, what? climbing the staircase to his room on the second floor, he would go the way of his brother and his father. But the dog's okay, yes? Okay. Charles was discovered on May 10th, 1949 by one of his staff still holding a revolver. Hmm. It also seems that his passing was not so quick either. He appeared to have tried to descend the stairs or maybe had fallen following what had taken place. Shit. Of the Lemp family, only Edwin, who had long avoided that life mm. that had turned so tragic for the rest of his family, he was the only one that remained. And he immediately bought a monkey. He was known as a quiet, reclusive man who had walked away from the Lemp Brewing Company in 1913 to live a peaceful life on a secluded estate in Kirkwood, Missouri. Hmm. Hey, dude. Well, I just got a letter that your whole family died. Mm. And they left you all their money, dude. Oh, well, I should probably buy a monkey. Or a tiger. Yeah. Edwin passed away of natural causes at the age of 90 in 1970. Hmm. According to Edwin's last wishes... His butler Mouse. burned all the paintings Whoa, that the no. Lemps had collected throughout his life, as well as no, no. a priceless Lemp family document uh, and all of their artifacts. Who burns paintings? No. These irreplaceable pieces of history vanished in the smoke and embers that very day. What a douche. The Lemp family line ended with Edwin, and their final resting place can now be found at the Bellefontaine Cemetery in a mausoleum bearing their namesake. Your family sucked. Don't take it out on art. And although physically, the remains sit within its concrete walls, did their ghosts still inhabit their once prosperous estate? No. <laughs> After the death of Charles Lemp, the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house, along with the whole nearby neighborhood. Hmm. And this is where we begin to hear the first tales of a haunting of the old Lemp mansion. <laughs> New residents, upon moving in, quickly began complaining of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps being heard all throughout the house. 
Excuse me. Coupling these frightening manifestations, those same residents also began to see spectral apparitions throughout the rooms and halls. I.e., they be tripping. People became so frightened that they would typically move out almost as quickly as they had moved in. Did you say they were seeing shit? Yeah. Did they check for radon? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they can't couldn't keep residents ultimately led to the decline and closing of the boarding home. Now it's a topless bar. Now in a state of decay, it seemed like the mansion might finally be demolished. However, it would again be purchased in 1975 by a dude with sideburns. And the new owner, a man named Richard Pointer, sideburns. immediately began to renovate, eventually turning the once incredible estate back to its former glory. Bordello. It would now become a restaurant and an inn. Hmm. They say that spirits that inhabit particularly older buildings and homes really don't like renovations. Hmm. Well, what the hell is a ghost mad about? Yeah, I think it's a flat screen. Is it because I got it on sale? No, I think he wanted the 72 inch. And whether this stirred up the energy of the place or they simply sensed a new presence within the mansion itself, those very same ghosts would now make themselves very well known even more so than before. Workers within the house often told stories of apparitions, strange sounds like a thousand whispers in their ears, among other things. Their tools, too, began to vanish, and they all had a bone-chilling feeling of being watched by eyes that they couldn't see. Frightened by the haunting, many would abandon the job site never to return. <laughs> Eventually, though, the renovations would com be completed and the eatery and inn would open. A portal to hell? Sorry. Since the restaurant opened, staff members have reported several strange experiences. Portal to hell. Again, apparitions appear and then quickly vanish. <laughs> Voices and sounds come from nowhere. The glasses will often lift off the bar flying through the air all by themselves. Well, fuck. On other occasions, doors have been said to lock and unlock by themselves. I don't like that. Lights have ex inexplicably turned on and off on their own free will, seemingly. Shit. And the bar piano often plays when there's nobody near it. <laughs> I like that bar. Could no. this be the tragically departed souls of the Lim family? Maybe? No. There are three areas of the old Ray mansion on. that have had the most activity. The stairway. Where there's radon. The attic. Probably not radon. And what the staff refer to as the gates of hell in the basement. Definitely radon. It is in this area of the basement that used to be the entrance to the caves running below the mansion and the brewery. The attic is said to be haunted by William Jr.'s illegitimate son, referred to only as the monkey face boy. Ooh. This poor soul, who was born with Down syndrome, had spent his entire life locked in the attic of the mansion. Mm. Strange occurrences are often witnessed on the third level of the mansion as well. The face of the boy has been regularly seen from the street, peeking from small windows of the mansion. Mm -hmm. Investigators have often left toys in the middle of his room, drawing a circle around them to see if the objects had been moved. Consistently, when they return the next day, the toys are found in another location. Well, shit. In the downstairs women's bathroom, which was once William Jr.'s personal domain and actually held the first freestanding shower in St. Louis, Bougie. many women have reported a man peeking over their stall. Thanks. One such occasion, a woman came out of the bathroom, returning to her seat at the bar. She yelled at the two men that she was sitting there with that she hoped that they had gotten an eyeful. However, the two men quickly denied ever having left the bar, and the bartender verified that they never left their seat. Hmm. 
The confusion and disbelief must have been palpable. I palpitated. And this ghost is said to be that of the womanizing William Jr. In William Lemp Sr.'s room, guests have often reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door. Is it John claude Van Damme? So when William ended himself, Mm -hmm. William Jr. was known to have run up the stairs to his father's room and finding the door locked, began to kick it in in order to get to his father. Mm -hmm. Perhaps this is some sort of residual haunting taking place. Probably not. Experiences have also taken place outside of the home as well. Okay. A tour guide reported hearing the sounds of horses outside the room where William Lemp Sr. had kept his office. However, when the tour guide looked through the window, there's nothing there. Where the fuck are the horses? This area north of the mansion was now being used as a parking lot and was once utilized as a tethering lot for horses. You mean ghost horses? <laughs> there have also been many Sorry. paranormal stories told by those who visited the old Lemp Mansion over the years. Why not? And this is just one of the many stories. Ooh, stories. On Saturday, October 9th, 2004, two women who we'll call Swifties. Sam and Amy visited the Lemp Mansion along with St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons. Joe had spent many years researching the Lemp Mansion and often gave tours of the inn with the permission and cooperation of the owners. I'll give you money. You got it. This story is told from Sam's perspective. Meeting up with Joe at the bar, we settled in for a bit, drinking on a couple of lagers and chatting it up. Afterwards, he began to show Amy and I around the mansion. As Joe described in intricate detail the the history of the Lemp Mansion and the land on which the mansion stood, as well as the many strange occurrences in this now haunted building. While we were on tour, several strange events occurred. The first was when we were standing in the darkened attic. As Joe described the monkey-faced boy, I began snapping pictures, and during our time within the attic, I began to hear a faint whisper-like a kind of sound like that of a small child from behind me. Creepy. The whispers happened so fast and alternated from ear to ear. Just like this. Right. It was like someone was speaking directly into my ears simultaneously at a very close range. Not a fan. I couldn't really make out the voice at first, but it sounded like it was saying, help me, over and over again. Shit. Later on our tour, we ran into another group who was on a different tour. And after a brief discussion, several members of their group would describe having passed a man in the hallway and ask if, if we had seen him as well. I guess he was holding a key and his in his hand and was acting irritated with the large group that was moving through the hallway. He was said to be pale and older, wearing a white shirt and black pants. No one thought anything of it at the time, believing him to be a member of the staff. However, we would find out... There was no such gentleman working or staying at the mansion that night that met that description. Slow down. <laughs> Get off my Wi-Fi. He's just a pissed off guy. Yeah, bite me. Though no harm was done and nothing was disturbed in the guest room, the whole experience was very bizarre, to say the least. And it's certainly not an experience I will soon forget. Hmm. So was this the ghost of one of the Lemp family members? No. Seemingly angry at their space being intruded upon? Probably not. In this particular case, those involved and their demise certainly prompts more questions than answers. (laughs) Just what drove so many of them to bring about their own death? Mm. Could it have been circumstantial, stress-induced, a genetic predisposition that affected their mental chemistry, or was it something else? 
something darker that we simply can't explain. Probably not. Did the victims of their product, those seemingly caught in the throes of addiction, result in some kind of curse for the family? Probably not. Did they cut some sort of deal with the devil in order to gain such profound wealth and admiration only to have the house of cards fall and the bloodline extinguish? That is the devil myth as made popular by the Tom Petty video into the great (laughs) wide open. Or could it have been something that dwelled within those caves underneath the mansion? No. Maybe an old evil that got disturbed under their remodeling efforts began to take place. There be dragons down there. It's truly hard to say, because those that could know such things are no longer walking this earth in human form, but perhaps they're still walking the earth nonetheless. Probably not. The mansion has been featured in a number of magazines, articles, and newspapers, and now attracts ghost hunters and historians from around the country. Someone should buy it and become Batman. Still, today, it still features a bed and breakfast with rooms restored in period style, a restaurant featuring fine dining, and a mystery dinner theater. Hmm. Tours are also still available at the mansion itself. So, if you dare. If I dare. As previously mentioned, the Lemp family mausoleum still stands today housing the remains of the family tree. Known today as the monkey-faced boy, the unfortunate soul who was born out of wedlock, and the very same one that continues to show his presence at the mansion, is also buried with the family, but on a cemetery plot that's marked with only a flat, small marker labeled Lemp. A sad ending to a once amazing story of success turned tragic. But it just goes to show that one may never truly know what's happening just below the surface. Mm-hmm. Because behind all that wealth... Think Scrooge McDuck money bin. Their smiling faces. And all of that excess. Golden quail eggs. Could be nothing but a thread holding the demons at bay. Hmm. And all it takes is for them to breach the surface like a creature hiding in a body of dark water. <laughs> what do you think? Hmm. What do you think would cause the family curse? Alcohol. Is the mansion truly haunted or is this all speculation and superstition? That last one. <laughs> I do think that we should definitely check into every single rich person's basements <laughs> because some of them are probably Batman <laughs> or worse, which Batman's good. But, you know, there's a spectrum. All right. Was it the story? That's the story. Thank you so much. Let's do the next story. Okay. Oh, I finally get to do something. Now it's time for story two. Now, this next story is the story of the Japanese haunted doll named Akiku. Akiku. It's it's an interesting story, I think. So, could an item, if given enough energy, devotion, and focus, begin to take on a life of its own? No. (laughs) Could it begin to exhibit human-like characteristics as if it had been imbued with or contained some kind of soul or entity inside of it? Absolutely not. This act of magic has been practiced by several religions throughout the ages. We humans just do shit. And this is a story of just one very strange example that it could indeed be possible. Doubt it. After a gracious gift was placed into the arms of a little girl, Mm -hmm. tragedy would strike and what follows would continue to haunt the family, the citizens of the village, and would soon cross far beyond the barriers of land and sea. I will try to stop shitting on the paranormal, oh my, oh me. This is the story of Akiku, the haunted Japanese doll, and the bizarre, strange, and unexplainable force that possessed it. Okay. What the hell am I doing? I already introduced the story. Just do the story, eh? Japan is a very mystical and spiritual place. 
a place where the souls of the past seem to interact with the living. Many of the locations where this spiritual energy seems to be the most visible is throughout several of Japan's spiritual temples. Home to many religions, the two prevalent ones being Buddhism and Shintoism, thousands of temples exist all over the country. But one in particular houses a spiritual artifact that has a tragic backstory and an even more terrifying story that continues to be written to this day. Located in Hokkaido, Japan, at the Menenji Buddhist Temple is a doll with a bizarre and tragic backstory. Although there are several origin stories of how the doll came to be and how the temple became its final living space, so to speak, all of them have most of the main details in common, so I'll be telling the most agreed-upon origin story to try and keep as true to the legend as I can. So, the year was 1918 in Hokkaido, Japan, and a 17-year-old boy named Ikiku Suzuki was in search for a gift for his little sister's birthday. As he peruses the different vendors and small shops, something soon catches his attention. A monkey's paw. In one of the store windows, he spots a small, childlike doll wearing a traditional Japanese kimono. Pretty. Knowing that he had finally found something his sister will absolutely love, Akiki quickly purchases the doll and makes his way back home through the countryside. As the family celebrates their little girl's birthday, Okiku is presented with the doll and almost immediately she falls in love with it. The two from this point forward become inseparable. Wherever Okiku is, her doll is right by her side. She combs her hair, bathes her, dresses her, and treats her as if she were her little sister. The two even share meals and sleep side by side. The joy that the doll brought Okiko must have filled Aikiki's heart with such happiness, but soon that happiness would turn to tragedy. One hot day as the little girl played outside with her doll, she was bitten by a mosquito. This tiny, benign insect bite would soon manifest itself into a horrible case of malaria. Although the family did everything they could possibly do, Okiko would pass away, scared and gasping for air as she clutched her special doll all the way until the moment she took her last breath. Devastated, the Suzuki's planned to have their little girl buried with her doll since she loved it so much, but unfortunately, due to either governmental or religious oversight at the time, this wasn't an option. Instead, after they laid Okiku to rest, the doll would be placed on a small family shrine located within the living quarters of their home as a tribute of sorts to their late daughter and their love for her. However, shortly after the doll was placed on the shrine, very strange things began happening. Akiki, upon walking past the shrine one day, noticed that the doll's hair seemed significantly longer than what it had been when it was placed there. Hmm. The hair, which was originally black and shoulders length on the doll itself, was now overgrown with different shades of brown hair also coming through and splitting and fraying at the ends. Finding this bizarre, to say the least, he brought the discovery to his parents' attention and, unsure what else to do, they'd trim the doll's hair. (laughs) As the days came and went, the family began to have distressing dreams at night of their departed Okiku. Sometimes she would be scared and alone in the darkness, Mm. calling out to them, only being recognized by her voice. 
Other times, she would blame them for what happened to her. Each member of the family had these dreams at differing times, and they would soon lead all of them to believe that Okiku's soul was just not at peaceful rest. Mm. These disturbing dreams soon became much more strange when the doll, which they began to refer to as Okiku in their daughter's honor, would appear <laughs> at their bedsides Yikes. following these nightmares. That's probably where Chucky came from. Right? Now, one such incident involved the father of the family waking up in a cold sweat only to be met face-to-face with a blank and lifeless stare of the doll. Fuck me. Unsure what was taking place, the Suzukis turned to their faith. After contacting a local Buddhist priest and having a cleansing ritual performed on their home and on the doll, the activity seemed to grow and become even stronger. Accompanying their ever-frequent nightmares and random movements of the doll, the chilling events grew into full-blown spiritual manifestations. Hmm. During their waking life, they soon began to hear banging noises all throughout the house and the whispers of a little girl. Strange, disembodied voices varying from high-pitched like those of a child to the low groans of something unexplainable began to be heard all throughout their home. Their lights began to flicker on and off, and the paranormal activity seemed to happen more frequently as the calendar ticked closer and closer to the birth and death dates of Okiku. These strange and terrifying happenings would continue over the course of the next 20 years, with multiple religious priests and shamans being contacted and all coming to the same conclusion. They need to check for radon. That after the cleansings failed time and time again, that the restless spirit of Okiku now inhabited the doll she once loved so much. Finally, needing a major change and unable to deal with the ever-intensifying spiritual presence that seemed to haunt their home, the Suzukis relocated to a different district. Believing the doll to be the source of their various ailments and emotional torture that they had endured over the last two decades, they had no desire to take it with them. The family had reached a conclusion that if their daughter's soul wasn't at peace... And there is no version of Japanese Ghostbusters. (laughs) What could perhaps be helping to fuel Okiku's power or magic was the close proximity to her grave... Uh, to the home where the doll resided. So in order to distance the doll from the grave, the family approached the Menenji Buddhist temple in Hokkaido. And over the years, the doll's reputation for being haunted had spread throughout the community and indeed the majority of the country. This was more than likely due to the various interactions between the spiritual community and the Suzuki family. Finding the doll to be mesmerizing and possibly a unique opportunity to commune and interact with the dead if the stories were true, the leaders and priests of the Menenji Temple agreed to home Okiku permanently. As with the many legends, we find lots of details to be exaggerated over time and perhaps some of the details to not be true at all. And this is what the priests were originally thinking, that perhaps due to grief, the family was dealing with other spiritual ailments, perhaps unrelated to the doll or causing the doll to be a vessel of sorts for restless spirits. However, as the years came and went, as Aikiku now called the temple her home, they began to slowly but surely experience the same strangeness that the Suzukis had for all those years. Hmm. 
Okiku's hair continued to grow, and this baffled the priests. They would eventually have the hair trimmed and tested, and the hair was said to belong to the little girl. Fuck. They found that the entity seemed to be appeased when her hair was trimmed and combed, and this led to less activity for a time, but that same activity, the knocking, banging, and disembodied voices, would soon plague the temple as well. She's probably like, hey, my soul's trapped in this doll. Could you guys burn it or something? Please help, help. <laughs> well, it, soon all of that other stuff started happening, and Okiko's power only seemed to grow. Any priests who seemed skeptical of the doll or attempted to cleanse it themselves soon had their dreams haunted as well, hmm. turning their sleep into restless fits. It's got to be right on. Their homes and rooms soon also began to manifest the very same activity as the temple was now exhibiting. With no remedies seeming to work, the leaders turned to appeasement instead, hoping the gestures of goodwill would keep the entity at bay. <laughs> As years turned to decades, and we've come into the 21st century, the priests of multiple generations now have overseen and cared for the doll known as Okiku. Mm -hmm. And though some of the more violent activity has faded, the general consensus is that she is now just as powerful as she was, or is perhaps even more powerful as she continues to age. It appears as if the more her fame and notoriety grows, the more visitors she has, the stronger she becomes. She continues to invade the dreams of those who come to visit her, and her hair is growing faster and even more frayed. She's said to drive tourists who doubt her mad, hmm. with many people even reporting that besides seeing her strange hair and feeling a malevolent presence when visiting her, they've also had her stalk and appear in their dreams. Some more disturbing and recent reports have been even suggested that her mouth is slowly opening. And if you dare to look inside of that tiny little mouth, you may just catch a glimpse of baby-like teeth sprouting yeah. from her porcelain gums. Yeah. As if whoever or whatever she is, is slowly turning to flesh and bone. The paranormal displays of her power continue to occur as well. Her permanent home, located within Menenji Temple, is her own private shrine where she sits in a small wooden box on display. It is here that she watches and waits for anyone and everyone who dares to play with fire and invoke the power of the entity known as Okiku. Goddamn. person like me is going to be tempted to be a son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And then, you know, nightmares for weeks. Right. And that's the story. That's the story. Well, let's talk about both of these on the other side of the thing that has noise. Okay. Now let's conclude this week's dipshit files with our dipshits. Right, thank you for the research on those. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to spooky season. Witchtober. This can be fun. It's just, I'm already having fun. So the first one was the Lemp family hauntings mm -hmm. and their mansion. Mm -hmm. And the thing that strikes me about that is the Batman thing. <laughs> I mean, having a cave system is every, at least every boy that I know is fantasy. That is so funny that you missed the whole story yeah, I don't except give a shit for the cave. Oh, the whole time I'm like, some people that have seen certain cartoons, they'll hear the bat wave mm -hmm. sound. I heard it the whole time. <laughs> Just, I'll put it in there. You hear it? That's it. And... I don't know if you're really wealthy and you're just stupid wealthy mm -hmm. and you've given a lot of money to charity and you've got a functioning thing that the, the business continues to grow whether you want it to or not because it's part of right you know how these things work yeah you gotta go you gotta go nuts right and build mm -hmm. like a train system underground but they always just do orgies 
Yeah. It's always just like, well, let's just do things with our wieners. Yeah. It's like, God damn. <laughs> I mean, have a super train and then it's like, just to do things with our wieners. Mm, yeah. We're not very creative on that. But the bat cave thing is what struck me. But what, what was the thing that you think of the most? When well, you think of it? I, f- I found it fascinating. I learned that the Lemp family actually spurred uh, Pab's Blue Ribbon and Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. The other part that I found interesting is when it comes to these conversations, a lot of people, when they talk about hauntings and family curses and that sort of thing, the conversation is always from my experience either or so either they'd fucked up their lives and it has nothing to do with anything spiritual energetic or paranormal or they are living a family curse and everything is spiritual or paranormal Mm -hmm. and i see things a different way i guess so why couldn't it be both right you know neither or neither right why couldn't it be um, you know, of course, they were in the throes of addiction. They mm-hmm. ran a beer, you know, giant beer company. Mm-hmm. They, were, you know, they were having a good old time. Right. So, you know, weird life experiences fueled, um, you know, self-loathing, fueled depression, addiction, all of that stuff, which, in my opinion, uh, kind of fuels a negative energy around individuals when you're feeling down or when you're feeling depressed or you're in the throes of addiction no matter what that addiction is and you're hating yourself for that addiction if you think what you're doing is wrong right it sets the tone for chemistry right i don't know about the air around you but people can tell Mm -hmm. so the people around you will definitely know that you're feeling like a piece of shit (laughs) well in my experience the energy that surrounds you that um, it just basically expands on that. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think potentially now hauntings. On the other hand, I have my whole. I have a whole other theory on hauntings. That's for the MRB podcast right. coming soon. Podcast <laughs> Network near you. But we discussed it a little bit uh, in the past on one of these episodes for ghost stories. Mm-hmm. I believe we may have touched on it. Oh, I'm sure we'll touch on it again here in the spoopy season. So I found it interesting that in my opinion, I think it's a little bit of all of the above. I think that there is some residual energy hanging out in that home more than likely. Are there uh, sentient entities there? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't think so. Do I, do a lot of people, you know, get spooked because they scare themselves? Yeah, they Mm do. Do people get spooked because of residual energy? Yeah, I've seen it happen and I've had it happen to me. I'm pretty open-minded about ghosts because it is pretty universal. Right. It's just very, very difficult for us to do a double blind kind of study on. And so we, we real dumb asshole materialists like myself are... It's just too hard mm-hmm. maybe to wrap our minds around because we, we will not be able to put numbers on it and data. Right. I get it. But I, I mean, shit, I've experienced things where, but our brain is so fucking powerful mm-hmm. with when it comes to tripping out, mm-hmm. like we, we use chemicals on the earth f- for our brain to give us an experience mm-hmm. while we're sleeping. Our brain's like, Hey, mm-hmm. you thought that shit you were doing was fun. Check this out. Look where you are. Fuck face. Mm-hmm. So, well, why couldn't it be both? Why couldn't it right. be one and the same? Right. So your brain your brain's tuning into yes. these things and mm-hmm. it's giving you a little bit of a trip on top of it. Exactly. Sure. And that's, it, I haven't thought of that. So it could be what we consider, uh, like a brain trip mm-hmm. is actually 
the same thing because it's on that same plane. Fuck me, man. You know, so it's it's one and the same in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. Okay. This one was, uh, I love the story, mm-hmm. uh, and I've heard it before. I think Time Suck did, or uh, Scared to Death did a version of this at one mm, point. Okay. And I was just there in the room listening, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I think there's several doll stories. Mm-hmm. But this one sp- stuck out to me because it was Japan. Right. But it made me think the one thing that sticks with me is the mosquito thing. Mm-hmm. The girl died from <laughs> a mosquito. Course. But it's they are the monsters of humanity. Mm-hmm. Or against humanity. We're probably the monsters of mm-hmm. Earth, too. But they, almost everything I ever researched where... World War Two, World War One, mm-hmm. you know, the Mongols attacking here. It's like, oh, there were these big battles and it was pretty bloody, but not compared to what the mosquitoes I fucking know. did, no matter what. Mosquitoes, name fleas, a lice. Name, yeah. a, name a military excursion that you can think of. And it's like, wh- what was the major cause of casualties? Bugs. It was. <laughs> almost every time. So that's what stuck with me. It was, God mm. damn it, these things are fucking... Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they really feed anything in the ecosystem that we need? Can we just be like, you know what, humans, we're, we're pretty good at trying to save the every little thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just kill these fucking things. They're terrible. <laughs> they, they take a lot of good folk out. But what stuck out for you in this one? Pretty much the whole story in this one. Right, the hair, to me, was nuts. That like, That is a very strange thing, and I am on the fence with that. Seems like a rouge though. Seems like somebody's like, right. wow, this will keep the tourists coming. Right, exactly. And and the hair was different color before. Well and it seemed like somebody put it in there. Right. I what and I, I think maybe wanted to keep putting it in there. But what I, I think happened with the hair is that the little girl loved that doll. She bathed with it. Mm-hmm. She brushed its hair all the time. She fed it. I think over time the doll's hair became just ragged over all the love that she gave this doll potentially Mm. now the changing in color from black to different colors of brown that can happen with synthetic or even natural hair that's exposed to long large amounts of sunlight so time they had it on a shrine so maybe it was sitting in the sun that's where my brain went with the hair Mm -hmm. now what i would like to say is cross cultures dolls are considered spirit vessels. Very much so. So a doll... From voodoo dolls mm-hmm. and all the stuff. Yeah. Right. So... Sigil, or uh, the... Epite- what are those things called when they, they put a body up and they burn it? Uh, epite- effigies. Effigies, thank mm-hmm. you. All those things. Yeah. Right. We're real, real into that. So dolls were actually, centuries and centuries ago, were actually, more than that, were actually created as spirit vessels so when um it was believed that when the spirit left the body they needed another place to live because the body no longer existed so they would actually create rudimentary figures that would house the spirit of said individual and it pisses them off because they're stuck there they're well, like i'm supposed to go to this next step guys but right. you stuck me here where I, I what am i supposed to do just sit here just right. sit here i can't talk to you i e- can throw shit at you though i'm gonna throw shit at you burn my shit either that or they're allowing them to squat in a place where they no longer belong Yeah, because they don't want to leave. They're like, okay, well, if you don't want to go anywhere, that's okay. You can live in this house. And it's my opinion that, you know, when, once you, you're dead, you, you don't belong here anymore. Right. You know, you need Doesn't to move seem on to work. Your, your credit cards don't work anymore. Now their, their idea that a, a certain amount of energy and focus and love can Im- imbue a doll with the spirit that is exactly how a spirit doll is made. Hmm. So I do find that part fascinating. 
And it's funny that my brain wraps around and understands and kind of is on the fence that this is potentially correct. Uh, the, the side is that the spirit's in the doll, not the hair, not the things that people see, mm-hmm. not that stuff. The, the knocking, the noises, the whispers. Yes, I can see that. The doll moving, I don't know about that. Right. I don't know about that. I'm kind of on the fence with that too. But the rest of it, yeah, of course. I mean, if you have spirit activity in your home, whether that spirit is angry or just not ready to leave. Or radon. <laughs> they have a tendency to, in my experience, be loud. Right. You know, they just are. And then the, you know, radon version, very dangerous. You have it tested. <laughs> well, we live in a haunted house. Actually, our, our house is haunted. <laughs> However, it's very quietly haunted. <laughs> Because, you know. They're decent roommates, yo. They don't throw shit or. Not anymore. Well, they. uh, Not anymore. They did. I like it. It's got got good vibes. (laughs) It does. It's a very happy, you know, there's three living and two, potentially three non-living. I have a theory. Yeah. It combines radon, which is what I think is going on here. Some sort of thing Mm -hmm. in the earth where they put a house Mm -hmm. and it's like. Would that that explain the uh, third story bedroom that we have? Oh, no, no, not is, here. I was it's, say. it's definitely in the rocks. Yeah, it's not going to be in the attic. Like okay. I said, I'm an ass. I know. But, <laughs> but I was trying to be funny and it didn't work out right because we're doing it live. Uh, but not really. But okay, let's say that there's some sort of thing going on in the house as mm-hmm. far as fumes in the air, water's fucked up. Who knows? Okay. Possible things. But also this doll. Mm-hmm. There are lots of dolls throughout history where doll makers have been creative. Mm-hmm. And what if this is like you know, happy hair grow doll. And the whole point of it was that you cut it and just like, I mean, we have so many dolls where it's like, feed me doll, mama. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it wets itself or something. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a neat little feature. Maybe. And they've been doing that for a long time. Well, where, this is uh, now, I mean, this was a long, this is over a hundred years of cutting this doll's hair, right. evidently. Well, apparently there's a hell of a spool in there. I just haven't looked in there <laughs> to just, see that, that happy glow, happy hair grow doll. By Scat Tech. Uh-huh. Is, uh, a happy hair grow doll. Yeah. It's just a, a gimmick. Jesus. And, and they tested it and they're like, oh, it's a person's hair. It's like, yeah, that's who we put person's hair in there. We thought uh, that'd be cool. Scat tag. Yeah. They just okay. donated it to us. They, we didn't that's kill gross. them. We cut them. That's gross. Is it gross? I think it's kind of gross. I mean, a lot of those dolls are creepy and gross. So there you go. All right. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you guys today. What a weird journey into the, the spooky mm-hmm. land. Yeah. And so a little bit early into Witchtober, but we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to have fun for the rest of this season. Yes, we are. I think this is becoming one of my, this is my favorite season, but for podcasting too, mm-hmm. when you get into this row of, I get to do a Halloween special, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a Thanksgiving special or some kind of thing there mm-hmm. and a Christmas special. And if you want to, you can stretch it and be like, let's do a New Year's thing. Right. So you got this onslaught of things where it's like, we know what we're going to have. We're going to have some fun. It's considered the holidays. And the holidays are going to be fun. So yeah. we're going to make sure that this year, just like last year, there's lots of holiday themed things. And we yes. just couldn't wait any longer. So we had to get I right couldn't. To it. I yeah. mean, October's my time of year, man. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pushing it. That's right. October. Oh get here yeah october 28th by the way you can go see sovereign and the nonprofits. our only show of the year i think mm-hmm. we maybe have had one other one uh at cruisers yeah. in the state line between idaho and washington mm-hmm. where they let us burn things and do other stuff it'd be wonderful and you can sneak over to washington and smoke weed but <laughs> do not find yourself in idaho because you'll end up in jail yeah all right thank you guys so much thank you to our trusted turd triad don chris Bodie. we mm-hmm. appreciate you guys thank you to our trusted turd herders the army of people that are bringing the attention to Scatcast mm-hmm. and all of you wonderful folk. PJ and Minnie doing our stuff on Reddit. 
Uh, there's so many people to thank at this I point. Know, there's a lot. We've got Jargoneers with Jose Montez. We have mm-hmm. our, our meme army, which is the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And they're active all the time. If you guys want to get into the shit box on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, just don't use an eye and use the little kitty butthole and yeah. you'll find it easily. And we have tons of other groups there. There's crafters and gamers and mm-hmm. memers and... It's literally a big old community. Yeah, there's meals. Into. There's shitbox meals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, where they share a bunch of great recipes. That's and, right. Yeah. Plus, we also have lots of friends and family in the group, too. There's mm-hmm. the garbage disposal, and you mm-hmm. can check out cool stuff there. There's always positive stuff and mm-hmm. food with scat cast buttholes everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, you can check out Can You Don't mm-hmm. and that whole world. They have a whole playground on Facebook that you can be a part of as well. Become a silly goose. You can be a silly goose. Mm-hmm. I think some of you are, mm-hmm. whether or not you're a part of the Patreon there. You're silly geese. You know it. Paul with the Phantasmagoric Oddities Emporium. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of people. Yeah. So you guys know who they are, but we'll continually tell you about them as much as we can. Yes. So info at scatcast.com is how to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com forward slash scatcast is how to pay us if mm-hmm. you'd like. Mm-hmm. I know things are rough, but a dollar a month does not... We like it a lot. I will do cartwheels <laughs> around the house for a dollar a month from you. Five dollars a month, I'll do a few cartwheels. Mm-hmm. I'll spend a couple of days doing cartwheels if you want to become a, an alley cat or an inside scooper mm-hmm. or any of the things. If you're a fat cat, I basically... We, we're maxed out right now, but mm-hmm. I've done so many cartwheels that I have mm-hmm. bad wrists yeah. and ankles. But we might add a couple new slots to the fat cats because you guys are asking for it. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye. Bing. Bing.